Thank you to all members of my Patreon community for supporting this podcast. If you like what you hear and are not a member yet, please consider signing up today at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato. We offer a variety of monthly reward tiers, and discounted annual memberships are available too. Beginning at the $1 level, you can listen to Digging for Justice, my exclusive DC Movie Rewatch podcast. Click the link in the show notes for more. If you're looking for other ways to support the show, leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcast goes a long way and only takes a second. You're also welcome to join the conversation on social media via the links in the show notes. Last but not least, we are an affiliate of BCW Supplies, so the next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP to save 10% on your order. That's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions. It helps support the show too. Thank you. Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full-service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina for people of all ages and walks of life. Now in its 40th year, this multiple-time Eisner Award nominee features a significant contemporary and vintage back-issue selection. As the Acme team uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material. Mail order subscriptions to new releases are available, and all offerings are available anywhere via mail order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay, listen to the Acme cast on all podcast services, and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Three decades ago, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers captured my imagination. Like many of my fellow 90s kids, I watched after school, joined the official fan club, and of course, collected the toys. Eventually, I put those toys away, but the flame of my Power Rangers fandom never died. Now, in this milestone 30th anniversary year, I am re-examining the show, its legacy, and the tale of its most legendary ranger across media. It's time to get back to action. Welcome to Summoning the Zords, a Power Rangers fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss the end of the Mighty Morphin era, and the beginning of Power Rangers Zeo is the host of the Krypton Report podcast, returning guest, Tyler Patrick. Welcome back. Welcome. All I have to say is Zeo Ranger 3, blue. Just because blue is my favorite color. I didn't really have a love for, you know, whatever. I'm glad to be here. Like, this is such a fun, weird part to talk about. And we'll, we'll, we'll really dive into it. I know we will, because that's many notes. It was one of those things, like, my memory of when I was a kid and this happened and then not really realizing how it ended, you know, and I'll elaborate on that more as we get into it. But, and then when they dropped them on Netflix, how it was broken up differently. Um, it was, it was cool to go back and do this because this was an interesting error. You know, this was the, the biggest change to power Rangers period. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to talk about this. I'm so excited. And I, so many things came up. So many memories came back as I was going through the preparation for this. So just to lay out for people what we watched and what we'll talk about. So there's the three part master vial and the metallic armor storyline. And then the final mighty Morphin episode Rangers in reverse, where the villains reverse time and turn the Rangers into, into children. What we did not specifically rewatch, but what I know you and I both remember and will touch on is that 10 episode, uh, alien Rangers arc, which 
I think this is probably what you're referring to when you talk about how they split it up. So uh, yeah. on the DVDs, for example, it's it's just a separate thing. And I, I think a lot of places and, and maybe even, well, Netflix. Netflix had it. Yeah, they had it like Mighty Morphin ended with the Rangers reverse. And then they did, it was Mighty Morphin Power. It was just Power Alien Power Rangers or Power Rangers Alien or something. And they had it as a 10 episode thing as a separate um, that's why like, I, I didn't remember that that's how Mighty Morphin ended. Yes. And so the DVD similarly have it as its own separate thing. And currently, I don't know if, you, if, you, if you've noticed this, but the official Power Rangers YouTube channel, they've been putting up almost all of the seasons and they have the Alien yes. Ranger arc as season 3A of Mighty Morphin. So oh. in, in terms of how you classify it, I guess it, it sort of depends on on what you're looking at. But for me, it's really, you know, Rangers in Reverse is the end of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And then we sort of have this little bridge miniseries, which again, we'll touch on. And then we watched Zeo beginning parts one and two. And this is, you know, from a personal standpoint, I mean, this was the last season that I watched. And this was also the first time that we had a change in title and powers and costumes. And we've talked about this on the show, how, you know, they, they really kept the mighty Morphin era going, <laughs> you know, they yeah. were filming more and more of, of the, of footage of, you know, the, the, you know, the stunt people in, in, American, in, in the yeah. costumes. Right. Uh, and all of that, and had really exhausted all of the, the Japanese footage and they were mixing and matching because as we've talked about, the white Ranger was from a different super Sentai series than the rest of the mighty Morphin Ranger. So they really bent over backwards to keep, the the mighty Morphin costumes and powers and all of that. So this was huge. I mean, again, now anyone who's been following the franchise for any period of time, every year you get a new cast, you get new costumes, you get new powers, all that stuff, all new Zords. But like this, this was huge. And I just remember feeling it, it was exciting. I mean, what, what sort of, of, of emotion uh, do you remember feeling uh, at this time when you were watching it as a kid? Well, what's crazy is, you know, looking at it now, I understand that they still had this ninja footage from the ninja series that they hadn't used because they, you know, they, they did the ninja like ninja or they did all this. But actually the rangers in ninja, when you really study the, the footage in the different series, they hadn't used. So they, they basically created this Aquatar uh, alien rangers to just use this footage that they had. That's basically what it is. And what I remember as a kid, I didn't like the alien ranger. I didn't watch any of it when they like turned little. And then the next episode I did, but then when they brought the Aquatari, I was like, I don't want to watch this. I did not like it. So I didn't watch it. And then I remember, I think there were an episode two or maybe three of Zeo. Like, cause I was looking at the time frame of how, of when technically Mighty Morphin ended and Zeo started. It was only like a couple of months. <laughs> I have it in my notes and we'll, we'll talk about it. But then I was kind of mad, to be honest, that they were doing it like this. I, and my friend was like, no, Zio's so cool. So I, I I watched it and it was neat, but I just, I didn't, I don't know. I just, I wasn't there. Like I, I wasn't excited. I felt almost more betrayed, you know, because one was, Billy was always my favorite ranger. Of course, I went through my Tommy phase and my Adam, but I really always liked Billy. And he wasn't a ranger anymore. And of course that last phase of mighty Morphin really quickly is like Kimberly's out. It's cat. And I am, um, 
it just, it just, you know, we got to Zio and I, I kind of felt like I've been on this ride, you know, and like I've been following all of it. And now like you completely have just dumped everything. And a part of it, I didn't see the first two episodes of Zio. Maybe if I had, it would have been a little bit smoother because I didn't realize how smooth it actually is um, until rewatching it before and then rewatching it for this. But I, I remember I, Zio was one I in and out like I watched, I didn't get to follow it as, as, as tight. And then I dropped out for turbo. I, you know, this is, you know, but then I told you before, like I came back and watched some of space, but you and I talked about before, like um, a little hidden fact was Zio originally stood for Zordon of Eltar's Odyssey is what the abbreviation, but I guess they just kind of dropped that and just do Zio. Um, but what I found fascinating was just how much the Zeo crystals talked about in Mighty Morphin building up to it. So, I mean, it really is a beautiful transition. Because I guess in my mind, I felt like it was very, like, you know, just chop, stark. That comes later. But it really is a nice little build up and, and hand off to Zeo. No, for sure. I mean, I, I had forgotten all of that too. And you, we get right into that master vial and the metallic armor arc. And instantly we're talking about the Zeo crystal and Tommy and Kat have to break into the moon palace and retrieve the crystal. And there's all this back and forth. And in the end, the Rangers destroy the crystal and scatter it throughout time. And then of course, in the alien Rangers arc as kids, they have to go through time and, and get the pieces of the crystal back. It really built nicely. You know, it's, it's funny because on the one hand, part of me feels like I wish that there had been a little bit more finality or a little bit more, uh, you know, I don't know, a little bit more of an occasion that that Mighty Morphin was ending. Yes, but I think I say that with through the you know through an adult lens, and it's like, oh, you know, we had the, we had all this time with with this Mighty Morphin era, and it would have been great to put more of a bow on it, make it clearer, like this version of this of the story is coming to an end. But I think they did it in a smart way because it really just flowed right into Alien and then into Zeo. They really kind of just carried you along. And I think if they had made more of a big big deal, like it's the finale of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, you know, you run the risk of kids being like, oh, okay, I guess the show is over. So they yeah. just they just kind of shuffled you along through and and it made sense. So I do get it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. Like if I had watched it, like I said, I feel like thinking back, like the Alien Rangers just really turned me off. I just, I did not like the alien rangers and you know our rangers in the end age up just to have you know the change but uh the one thing i, I do want to say just kind of backing up real quick i find it humorous you know because and i haven't listened to your episode yet i know it just dropped about when cat comes in but what i find humorous about it is the fact that when jason trini and zach leave it's this big deal about the sword to do the power transfer but then, like, each time it just becomes basically almost like, here's my morpher. You got this, bro. <laughs> you know, like, when Kat comes in, it was very simple of Kimberly just handing her a coin kind of thing. And, like, I, because I went back a little bit, you know, just to kind of get a little bit more context because I knew that we were coming into, like, the first arc after Kat had become a uh, Power Ranger. And it was just kind of funny to me, like, how much the power change was a big deal with those three. But then, substantiary times or whatever word I just say. 
uh, each time afterwards, it just got more and more easy to give somebody their power or the power coin or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of those things we, we just kind of have to go along with. Although as, as I did say in fairness in, in the, the pink ranger episode, we just did, I feel like at this point in time, their powers had changed. You know, they were still the mighty Morphin power rangers, but now they had the, you know, the, the coins forged by Ninjor, right. And the ninja powers that they were, that they were, you know, deriving their energy from. So the power source had, had shifted. So maybe that allowed for an easier transfer, I'll, I'll, but I'll roll with it. my head canon though, is that now that they had the, the, the sort of power, Zordon had somehow internalized that energy and was now able to effectuate these transfers without literally holding the sword. It's like they had the power of the sword uh, and they were, that's my yeah. head cat. I, I'm, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with it. The show, I mean, it, it's logical, but you know, I, I always did like, you know, I always felt like I thought about this. You and I had touched on it very briefly, just you and I's messaging about the forever red episode. Like there was no representation of the red ninjetti. Like those costumes were so cool. Just the ninja costumes themselves. Where, where was the ninja red on that episode? You know, he was still a ranger. Well, it could have been Rocky. That's but, a, you know. I, well, so like that's the thing. I, I you know they really they really that was a glaring omission. You know, Rocky I think earned his spot and he should have been there. And yes, I suppose we can't have two red Mighty Morphin Rangers, but yes, they could have had him in the the ninjetti garb. That could have been a way to to sort of incorporate him, but. But I guess in terms of the footage that they were working with, you know, because the Ninjetti was just, you know, for the American version. So, which is cool. I mean, it's interesting, like you said, like when you get to the end of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, how much they were shooting American footage um, because they had exhausted so much. They had exhausted all the uh, the Japanese footage. And it's also funny, you know, going back and watching that the scene where Tommy joins them at the end of, you know, green with evil is what they later use as the recycled footage for calling on the thunders Orbs and stuff. It's just, uh, it's just kind of funny. Yeah. It's what, one of the things that I, you know, I, I go back and forth on is, is how long they waited to switch up the costumes and everything and, and change the series. And on the one hand, I get it right. Because you, you know, you've, you've engendered all of this loyalty and, and kids know this version of the characters. And so, yeah, it is a risk to now call it something different and, and, and switch it up and different kind when they switch colors, you know, there's a lot going on, but at the same time, and, and maybe aside from exhausting the footage, I, I have to imagine another big driver for ultimately, you know, taking the plunge with Zio. It's like, well, now you can sell kids all these new toys. It's like, well, I mean, we're going to talk about it, but to me, that was the whole point of the metallic armor was now we can make sparkled version of the exact same figure and they'll buy it again because now it's sparkles. Yeah, that felt, you know, uh, you know I felt like, all right, what are we doing here? <laughs> it's like, you know, they introduced oh, this whole new component with, with so few episodes left to go. I have one question for you and I want you, you don't have to answer it, but as we go through this conversation, I want to keep it in the back of my mind. How would you have felt if in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, that's where they went from Mighty Morphin to Zeo? And what they went to Thedos was for was for the Zeo power instead of the ninja art. Now think about that. You don't have to answer it right now, but just as we talk through this, kind of like keep in the back of your mind. All right. Fair enough. We'll do. I'll let that, I'll let that marinate.
The other big thing that we, we just we have to say, because I feel like anyone who fan of Zio or not, but anyone who watched Zio, that music, man, that theme song, man, is that catchy. That sticks with it's, you. It's it's still Wasserman, man. I love Ron Wasserman's music. Like it is probably next to John Williams, like the music of my childhood. Like, you know, he he did all the themes. Uh he knew how to use the word go multiple times without it seeing redundant like go power rangers turbo go zio <laughs> like uh go red go white ranger go green ranger. like he knew how to use the word um but yeah like the zio music is great because it, it still uses a lot of the same music and everything of mighty morphin like it's doom, 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 and it's stronger than before go zio yeah. Power up for more. Go Zio. Rangers at the door. Zio. Zio. Go, go Power Rangers. Like it's still yeah. is using what we know. So we're still like, yeah, this is it. This is it. You know, they're just now they're the Zio. Um, and yeah. like, it, it pumps you up, man. It, it, get, it absolutely gets you excited. And, and yeah, having that go, go Power Rangers, like it just, it still has that connection. And I think that's the thing that, I mean, I don't know if you had asked me as a kid. And so when, when Zio was airing, I think I was in fourth grade, right? Cause that was the last year that I watched and it was, it was fourth grade. And, but I don't know if, if you had said to me, like, again, I, like I said, I remember it was exciting that we had this shift, but again, I don't know that I even really thought like, it just kind of all felt like of a piece to me. I don't know that I, if you had said like, oh, was this, is this a new series? This like, I don't know that I would have even thought of it in those terms. And I think that again, the way that they, they carried you along through that little mini series and into Zio, the music. It just kind of all felt of a piece. So I do give them a lot of credit because that, again, could have could have risked losing people. And I think they really did a great job uh, on that front. So yeah, the music though is just. I mean, I've had that. I've that had that stuck in my head since <laughs> I started rewatching these episodes. <laughs> but it's great. Oh, it's it's great. I mean, I can't say more. Like I, I, lo- I had the Mighty Morphin album, and I wish like Ron Wasserman a few years back did, where he re, he replayed and redid all the th- songs from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and I wish he would have re-recorded the themes for Turbo, Zio, and Space. You know, he did all those as well, because um, that would have been cool to hear. It's just like this Mighty Morphin opus. Of like you know you could because you can really kind of follow the show story through the theme songs as well. So. Absolutely. All right, so let's dig into this the the last major arc of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the three part Master Vile and the Metallic Armor. So this introduces Master Vile as Rita's father, introduces the Zeo Crystal, gives the Rangers this metallic armor, which is. Uh, an enhancement to their costumes and powers that they can only call upon in in extreme emergencies because it's sort of unclear, you know, what effect it could have on them and the the, the amount of power that they're tapping into. It's dangerous, so you know they can't they can't use this all the time. But if they're really in a bind, they can call upon it. Now I'm going to jump ahead for a second. What drove me nuts about Rangers in Reverse is we have the Rangers split up fighting the the Tenga Warriors and. We have the three who are just kind of like fighting them in a parking lot and they summon the the armor, right? Because they need it. But uh, Tommy, Kat, and uh, Rocky are going up against Rito, who's trying to plant this orb 
that will reverse time. And it seems to me that maybe that would have been a good opportunity to call upon this armor. I, that It drove me nuts. <laughs> yeah. And what else is going to drive me nuts is when we talk about here, their rules on time travel. So we'll get there <laughs> about what exactly was being reversed. Cause yeah, but we'll get there. Yes. That, that, uh, that begs some questions as well, but I, I want to say big picture about master vile and metallic armor We've looked at a number of multi-part stories over the course of this podcast so far, and a lot of times my critique is that they don't always feel like they warrant as many episodes as as they get. You know, Ninja Quest, for example, is one that we looked at recently, and that was a four-parter, and a lot of that is like the rangers wandering around through the desert, and it's like, okay, we, we probably could have done this in three, but I do feel like, and I would, this extends to the Pink Ranger episodes that we talked about recently, I do think as they made their way, you know, closer to the end here, I think they got better at the multi-part stories. And I think, I mean, I'm curious to get your take, but I feel like with Master Vile and the Metallic Armor, I felt like it justified the three episodes and there, there were really, you know, distinct pieces in each one. And, and, and I thought that they, they kind of had the formula down a little bit more now. What did you think? I agree because I feel like Master Vile's appearance, what he kind of does, and they're introducing more of like the Zeo Crystal. You know, they're, they're introducing this, like, it's a perfect setup without it being forced with all what they're actually building. Because, like, you know, going back now, we see, oh, wow, they're, they're planting the CEO, whether, where they're going to go with all this. Um, I feel like, yeah, it's it's warranted. It works. Um, I'm looking at my notes here for just, you know, parts one, parts two, and everything. Um, I really feel like Master Vile was one of those villains, like, at the end that, I remembered, but I forgot. Like, it's like I forgot what he looked like. Like, I knew the name. I know it was Rita's father, but I couldn't remember what it was. And did you need to? Did you do any background research on Master Vile? As host, I probably should have, but no, I didn't. So, like, I was reading like he was an archaeologist, basically, and he had like a, a vision. One was his daughter, like his wife was pregnant, and she was going to be completely evil, and one was she was going to be good, and it like drove him insane. It was the dark master that did it, um, that drove him insane and eventually turned him into the evil master vile, which then, of course, created his daughter to become Rita and his son Rito. Because, you know, of course, I always wondered why they all looked the way they did. But it was like, I was like, that's really interesting, you know, lore. Wait, lore from Super um, Sentai or from the comics or? Um, I was just reading about, I think it's from Super I don't know honestly because i was just reading about the character like the character history um i wonder that might be some you know and i'm sure audience members know please let us know um but i feel like that might be more comic book lore maybe i don't know and i have now been delving a little bit into super sentai and of course rita is bandora there and i I don't, I mean, I don't know. Well, I would have to, but either way, regardless of, of where it comes from, that is very fascinating uh, backstory. And I appreciate you sharing that. So yeah, so Master Vile shows up. So we get, you know, we're on the, on the villain moon base. We're in this, we've been in this, you know, dysfunctional, wacky family comedy, essentially, uh, that continues to grow. It first is interesting with, how, how far Zed has come do, from his yeah. uh, his <laughs> very you know dark ominous entrance. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, but you know we have Rito now as, as the brother in law. Now we get the father in law coming in, and you know instantly he lays out this plan right to obtain the Zeo Crystal. 
which is again beneath the moon palace, but but can only be retrieved by someone good, not someone who has evil within them. Uh, and so, you know, we'll we'll kind of see what his plan is going to be to ultimately try to use one of the rangers to obtain it. But you know, his arrival, you know, causes all of these, uh, you know, these these disturbances uh, in the sky and 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 everything, and this uh, messes up the rangers and their horseback riding uh, outing. With Bolton Skull and the police chief, because Bolton Skull are police officers in training. Yep, the jun- junior police patrol. <laughs> Although, like I said, I've really come around. I've been enjoying this, this especially this iteration of Bulk and Skull. So, so it's all good. But uh, you know, of course, they talk to Zordon and Alpha, and Zord, you know, Zordon always knows what's going on, right? So he knows Master Vile, and he's more evil, and you know, then it's always this escalation, right? Every time there's a new yes. someone new comes, oh. they're always more evil. They're always more powerful. We have to power up and get like a bigger power to fight them. Like, yeah, yeah. I have to that's say a, though, that's in my. That's in my notes for when we get to King Mondo <laughs> of how much they stress that. But I would have to say one of the things that kind of bugged me about the end of the um, a different shade of pink arc was that Ninjor had been captured, and uh, so much of that arc was was the Rangers trying to get him back, and the villains were you know were trying to get the Rangers to trade Cat for Ninjor, and there's all this back and forth, and that arc ends with Ninjor still trapped, still <laughs> still in the clutches of the villains, and there's like nary a mention of him, and I remember being like, I know this, they follow up on this, but it just felt like, hey, you really forgot about this guy. So thankfully, we do get some follow up here, although he just by happenstance like <laughs> catches a lucky break when Rito drops the the jug that he's in, and that he's allowed that allows him to uh, to escape. Is that this okay? So I was going to ask you this because is that the same time when they kidnap the Falcon Zord? Yes, because they talk about she has the Falcon Zord, and was it something else she had? I know she had Ninja and the Falcon Zord. Because I, I was re- I I heard them say that. And I was like, when did that happen? Yeah, so, so that was in the in the in the previous arcs, and uh, so essentially, so yeah, I mean, obviously, we pick up with Ninjor in that jug, and and Rito drops it, and he escapes, and he's able to get back to the command center and, and fill them in on Master Vile's plan to try to get the Zero Crystal. Uh, but yeah, uh, Rita and Zed also had the Falcon Zord. They were able to obtain this when Cat was under their evil spell. Uh, but the the upshot of the Rangers not having the Falcon Zord without that, they're unable to to command the ninja Megazord. So that necessitated the Shogun Zords. But, and I loved this bit. And I know we're, you know, we're fans of, of Billy in particular. You know, he comes up with this remote, this remote device that allows them to mimic, to imitate the energy of the Falcon Zord so that they can still, they can call upon the ninja Megazord. And we get instances where they're using both of the Megazords and these, it was great. It was awesome. It was awesome. I totally forgot that they had the scenes of both of them because I was like, oh, yeah. Because, like, uh, I had the toys of the Shogun Megazord. Um, and my brother had the toy of the Ninja Megazord. And I just remember, like, you know, it was so hard to find original Mighty Morphin toys, but we had some. But at this point, like, having both those Megazords was cool. You know, it was the toys. And then I totally forgot there was actually an episode with both of them together. Yeah. So like I said, I, I, I kind of just stopped watching the aliens because I didn't like the Aquatarians. So I, there, it appears like that again. But yeah, but this was this was fun to rewatch and see. And, um, and I, 
you know, I had forgotten when the metallic armor showed up, but I did always, I did remember those suits, you know? Yeah. So we, we get this addition, right? This, this, uh, upgrade. And again, ultimately it proves necessary here because master vile is able to supercharge the tango warriors. So now it's, you know, the, the, the stakes have been raised and they need this additional power in their battles. It's, it's funny to me because in this last stretch of mighty Morphin, you know, first we get the ninja powers and the insertion of this ninjetti stage, right? This pre, mm-hmm. this pre-morph, right? Which we don't see any of in these episodes that we watched and, and master vile and metallic armor and Rangers in reverse, they, they, they don't call upon that. But we had that, and then now the metallic armor, and uh, I don't know. I well, we've talked about the ninja piece a lot, but the the metallic armor, I don't know. I mean, it, I, it is what it is. It, it didn't, you know. It's it just fine. felt like it was a way of selling toys, you know, or yeah, like the movie. Okay, the movie figures, for example, were the exact same as the original Mighty Morphin figures, and I still have. Shoot, where is it? It's around here somewhere. It might actually be packed up. Packed up. I still have, I had all five, I had all six, but then through moves and stuff, I still have the Black Ranger. I still have, um, was the exact same, you know, Mastodon figure, but then they made them sparkle for the movies. So this was kind of like, they could resell those same figures again, with new packaging as the metallic armor. Um, but I want to know, like, could you morph into the Ninjetti and then call upon the metallic armor? I want to see the, you know, the ninja outfits and sparkles. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it feels like a missed opportunity. Another wave of toys they could have thrown out there. I, I, I guess it was just because we were so close to the end and it just kind of felt like we've already had the ninja piece. I don't know. It just felt like a hat on a hat sort of thing. It's like, what are we doing yeah. here? But it's fine. I mean, yeah, considering that it's three episodes, then one, and then ninja, you know, or then alien. And then so... Um, what did you think about this whole uh, objective and the strategy that the Rangers utilize where they send Tommy and Kat to the moon palace to try to retrieve the Zeo crystal from, from the, from down below? I thought it was neat. And I thought it was interesting because there's the line, I think it's in part two where they talk about if you've ever been evil or like under an evil spell, you can't retrieve the crystal. Um, you know, and Kat has a, I forgot, I'll be honest how much of a love story was between Tommy and Kat. And, you know, cause I always think about Kimberly and Tommy, but I really forgot how much they cemented Tommy and Kat as a couple, as an item until going back, watching these and then other things I've watched recently. Cause it's been a while since we've talked to power Rangers. Um, so sending those two, like they really have a parallel of being used for evil. You know, Kat came out of it differently than Tommy did. And I thought it was interesting, you know, that she's basically willing to sacrifice herself because, but the other thing that caught me off guard is her amazing ability to be, you know, unhelmeted and breathe on the moon. Like I, and you know, there's gravity on the moon. Like, I don't know. Physics was starting to get to me in this time. Like they're on the moon. They have, they can walk, they can breathe. I mean, I'll go with it when they're more fully with their helmets buckled, but She's got her helmet, you know, and I'm just like, hey, at least, at least try to make me believe that it's going to work. So. I, you know, to your point about the love story, 
that's the thing. I know everyone always goes to Tommy and Kim, and I get it, and I love the two of them together. Don't get me wrong, but there is a very compelling argument to make for Tommy and Kat. And actually, the next episode that we're going to do will look at uh, like a seven-episode stretch, including the three-parter, There's No Business Like Snow Business, where Tommy gets the Dear John letter from Kimberly breaking up with him. And so, you know, we'll start to see that relationship, you know, move along even more. And and of course, we know from the, uh, you know, one of the Christmas episodes that uh, in the in the future, we know Tommy and Kat are together. There's also that Soul of the Dragon original graphic novel. And of course, the, uh, the you know, once and always very recently establishing the the, the well, the son had already been established, but now we get confirmation that Cat uh, is is the mother. So, you know, I mean, this is in, in terms of the lore of of this franchise, they're they're together. But I think that they're like I said, I think there's something really compelling that they they both gone down this path under Rita's spell and found redemption and came out the other side and became heroes. And and I I love this team up between the two of them here and. I didn't have as much of an issue about the gravity or the oxygen. I assume that I just magic. It's just one of those things. It, yeah, it's just one of those things I chuckle too, but I let go. But you know, like I just think it's- you know what got me? I'm saying what? to myself, they could just teleport to the moon base. <laughs> yeah, like they've never thought about. Hey, let's just attack them while they're asleep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it always felt like it had to be a little bit clever. You know, like. I always go. I always remember back, you know, when the Green Ranger teleported into the command center because he had a power coin. It was oh snap, you know. So on the reverse, the power Rangers can just teleport to the moon base, just you, you attack them. Like, um, yeah. But you know that that is one of those kind of things you don't think about as a kid. You're just you're just going with it. You're just you're in. Yeah. But no, that's that's a great point about the Green Ranger. And also in the Pink Ranger episode we did, we talked, there's an instance where Zed enters the command center, but Zordon has to grant permission first. And so, so again, it just feels like there are certain rules that are established and, you know, for convenience, it's like, okay, they needed to get the two of them there. But yeah, I was just thinking to myself, you could do this the whole time? Like, <laughs> mounted assault, you, attack the moon. You, you couldn't plan a Use your teleporter, teleporter bomb, and just blow up the moon base. Yeah, I mean that that <laughs> that too. But okay, we're, but you what know. you know, once they're there, the whole the whole ploy is that Cat is going to pretend she wants to be evil again, uh, which is a great setup. And Rita and Zed put her in this what's it called, the Revivifier, I believe. Yeah, it's a basically she's standing in a fire pit, and it's just lighting her up and once it gets to the top she'll be evil forever and then that's when they're like oh no this is gonna backfire of course tommy's got to go to the was it the caves of despair or deception deception that's what it was deception so he sees all of these visions right he's like you know tempted by you know he's seeing all the different rangers and goldar and you know he has his wits about him he knows that they're not real and he's able to get through all of it and i this was honestly i think for this three-parter this was my favorite sequence where, and you had mentioned this earlier, you know, the, this vision of Kat talking about how you can't, you know, you can't uh, retrieve the Zeo crystal from this force field that it's in because you had evil, you know, you once had this evil within you when you were under Rita's spell and that's enough to sort of taint it and, and, and prevent you from doing it. 
And when he reaches in, you know, Tommy and we see all of these flashes of the journey that he's had, starting with his his evil turn as the Green Ranger, but then breaking free of the spell and joining the team and becoming the White Ranger and the leader. And I just felt like, man, like this was kind of, this was a really cool touch to show his journey, what he's overcome, what he was kind of working through in that scene. I, that was, I think, my highlight for that arc in particular. I think, I think the second part's the best episode out of the three. Like, just because... Um, because you have that, you have this, there's, I feel like there's stakes that's put with cat, like in that fire, like there's, uh, that felt more authentic than like what we'll see later when, uh, Globber, you know, like we even talked to him, Globber, that's, you know, the main master vile villain that's all three episodes is taking on the Rangers and the Zords. Um, but you know, when they escape there, they're able to take back the Falcon Zord. And I think was it? I know it was on one of your previous episodes, and it made me laugh real hard about Angel Grove's ability to rebuild the city after these mass destructions constantly. Um, it made me laugh because I always thought, you know, as Superman fans, people always talk about all the destruction in Man of Steel. I'm like, have you ever watched Power Rangers? <laughs> like, like <laughs> there's no conversation like that was like an in- empty industrial building. Megazords are just stepping on everything and knocking monsters over and stuff's blowing up everywhere. Yeah. I, it just made me chuckle. No, no, no doubt. But yeah, I mean, so, so Tommy has this triumphant moment and obtains the Zeo crystal and he's able to use that energy to undo the effects of the revivifier. And he grabs the birdcage with the Falcon Zord in it <laughs> with the curtain over it. And, uh, and they're able to teleport out of there and, uh, join the rest of the Rangers in battle. They've got both Megazords. They're able to 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 secure the Zeo Crystal within the Zord. All good uh, until, of course, Globber, uh, the, this monster that Master Vile has conjured, uh, is able to you know drain the Zord's energies, and the Zords with the Zeo Crystal inside are transported away. And that's sort of our which I thought was crazy. Yeah, I was I like, and they're like, we can't locate the Zords, and I was like, dang, that's that was pretty. Uh, that was pretty intense, honestly. Like the, the fact that the villains could teleport the Zords away. I'm like, oh, that's new. One of, like kind of like with teleporting to the moon base, like just kind of pops up. We're just going with it. Yeah. Well, again, we have a new adversary here, right? We have Master Vi. I think I, you know I can I can kind of go along with some of this because you know he's the different. You know he's he's more powerful, so you know maybe some of the rules of the game have changed a little bit, but. Yeah, I mean, the Zords are drained. They're teleported away with the Zeo Crystal. And Globber uh, is able to drain the Rangers' energies as well. So they're, you know, really against the ropes as we're heading into, into part three here. And Master Vile, you know, enacts his plan. He's going to use the power. He's going to channel the power of the Zeo Crystal and destroy Earth. And he forces the humans to have this farewell Earth party <laughs> where uh, poor yeah. Bulk and Skull have to dance the conga. Yeah, that's torture, man. Like... Um, I, I had that in my notes of like, this is a party at the juice bar and cause we have Tommy, Rocky and cat at the party and Goldar shows up and it, we, we had the mention of the M five one galaxy. Um, and my favorite was the big toe emergency exit in the Zords. That was, you know, right after Tommy's 
moment of, of, of triumph with the Zeo crystal and Billy coming up with that remote Falcon sword. Uh, I think my third favorite piece of this was when they do go to this other galaxy, uh, you know, they're able to locate it and teleport there and Zordon's able to give them enough of a, of a charge where they can do this. Uh, and they find the Megazords and it's like, yeah, to your point, like they have to enter through the toe of this and they're in the engine room of the Megazord. It's like, and you know, audience correct me. I don't know of any other instance where in Mighty Morphin where we see that where we're in other parts of the Zord and it was, it was cool. Yeah. I, that was like, I think you and I talked about when we read the, uh, the first arc of the more modern comics was we saw Billy like working in the Zords. We saw like different chambers because all we ever saw was them like in the command part of the Megazord or in the individual Zords. Um, so to see them kind of sneak through the toe was cool. And I, I do want to point out, because I have this in my notes at this point, just thinking is, you know, we're, we're closing in on the end of Mighty Morphin. Billy's the only OG Ranger left. Yeah. You know, by this time, you had the, like, Rocky, Adam, and Aisha. Tommy, you know, as a second with Kimberly's gone. Billy's the only original Ranger left on the show. Yeah. And as we'll talk about more in a moment, this is the end of his time as a Ranger, even though he'll stick around uh, in a scientific advisor capacity moving forward. So, yeah, I mean, I, we really are coming to the end of an era here, no doubt. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and under new ownership since 2020, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany, New Jersey the next time you're in the Garden State. And be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Filmmakers and movie fans alike should be sure to attend these film festivals. Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. On a personal note, my short film, By Spoon, The J. Mizell Story, played at these fests, so I know firsthand what fun and well-run events they are. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts, available via a shared universe network. Oh Yeah Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Harrison, New York, which happens to be my local comic shop, Skokie, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join Aw Yeah for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit awyeahcomics.com and follow Aw Yeah on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Say it with me. Aw Yeah. But yeah, it was cool to see them, again, entering the Zord through the toe and being in the engine room, just just seeing them in this different setting, seeing a different piece of the of the Zord, uh, as they're able to, you know, they're they're really able to 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 channel all of their energies, and you know, they put their fists together, and they're able to break Master Vile's connection to the Zeo Crystal, and of course, return and have their final battle and and triumph as they do, and take and, out Glover, who who had possessed Ninjor. You might yes, add, they were killing Ninjor by fighting Glover, and they had to separate Ninjor and Glover. Or, you know, they would kill their friend. 
Yeah, poor Ninja. I mean, he just, it's like he had been captured and I argue forgotten. Then he catches this lucky yes. break and he's able to escape. And then in the same episode is instantly captured again by the souped up Tengus. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yes, I'm glad I had forgotten that. Thank you for reminding me that they, there was this connection between Ninja and Globber where every time they were hitting Globber, poor Ninja was feeling it. Thankfully, it was, I think Alpha, right, was able to piece together that Globber was, was drawing from the darkness, this eclipse that Master Vile had created. So they're able to restore the sun and that weakens Globber and restores Ninja. I didn't realize there was an eclipse until they said there was an eclipse. It didn't feel like an eclipse. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh, okay, I'll just go with this. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, we, we have the two Megazords fight. They, they defeat him. And then, like you said, like they have the Zeo Crystal. They're like, we're going to break up the crystal and hide it. Uh, and what's neat is when they break up the crystal and they hide it, like we see the colors and the shapes. Yes. Like as the crystal goes around, we see, you know, and it's kind of cool. Like, they know what they're doing, so it's like neat foreshadowing, even in the sense that we, the audience at that time, didn't know what was going to happen. Um, so it's just kind of like we said, like, there really is this beautiful, seamless transition that we don't even realize we're, we're part of at the time. And I think, had you not done the Alien saga, I think in the initial viewing, like we did here, it would have flowed better. We still have a little bit of a hiccup, but I think it would have flown a lot better to just um, what they were building for. So, yeah, I have to say it did make me laugh though when they split the Zeo crystal and it it forms these perfect shapes, including a star. It's like, man, that <laughs> really worked that great. But no, like that's the thing. I, yeah, I mean, it was really pretty clever on their part the way that they planted these seeds, and and as you're watching it, even knowing what's to come. Their decision to to break up and and hide this crystal, I mean, it does track, right? Like you want to keep this out of the hands of the adversaries. I mean, yes, ultimately they will need this as their new power source, but based on the information they have at the time, it's not like you're not screaming at the TV, be like, what are you doing? It's like, no, no, like I, yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah. So So I like Mr. Master Vile shit. You know, it's a yeah. small. Um I thought that was it was kind of cool and just kind of and, um, you know, the fact that he comes in strong and then when they stop the eclipse and he has to leave the, the party because when he uses Zeo Crystal to destroy everything and he, he can't. And it was a, it was a cool little three episode arc. Cause like it, it, it felt like there were stakes. You had this metallic armor that kind of felt forced, but at the same time kind of made sense. It, it was very, I don't know. It worked. You know, you're talking about how I felt about the three, the multi episodes. I feel like three is the sweet spot. <laughs> you know, your beginning, middle, end type thing. Um, but I feel like this really worked as a good three parter. Yeah, no, I think each episode there was there was enough meat on the bone in each one, right? Where they have to fight the the new Tangas, and we get the introduction of Vile, the introduction of the Zeo Crystal, the retrieval of the Crystal, and their defeat, and the 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 capturing of the Zords. And then again, the retrieval of the Zords and the crystal and the, and the final victory. I, it, it really all worked great. I had really not remembered much of this arc. And when I was mapping out these episodes, like, okay, like I want to talk about Zeo and, you know, kind of looking at this transition, I was looking at the episode descriptions. And of course I'm always especially dialed into when I see those multi-parters, because those are typically where we get a lot of the movement and, uh, and, and the additions to the, to the mythology and all of that. So, you know, I was reading the descriptions and it's like, okay, 
we know, you know, Vile, uh, you know, is able to bring about this reversal of time. And this was his introduction. Again, had forgotten that the Zeo crystal was introduced at all. It all really worked out great. We skipped over just one episode and then we watched the Rangers in reverse where, again, Master Vile creates this orb to reverse time and and all of that. I mean, it's it's actually kind of crazy. I mean, I guess in, in fairness that, you know, Rangers in reverse and that 10 episode Alien Ranger miniseries really all kind of work together. But it's it's kind of crazy that Rangers in reverse is like one episode. Like you would expect something like that yeah. to be a multi-parter. You know, like it's it's a weird episode that a lot happens, but not a lot happens at the same time. Like, you know, the biggest thing is like you said, Master Vile creates the orb. It's Cat's birthday. They're taking her to a carnival. It's her first birthday in uh, America. And excuse me. Um, and you know, I, I really the orb of doom frees enough to stop. My big thing was trying to understand how the time travel worked because it's not like everybody turned back to kids. It's not like it went backwards through time. You know, we, we get the shot of like the earth and it starts spinning backwards because then that would mean everything goes back. It was just kind of like the Rangers themselves plus like Bulk and Skull just all of a sudden turn into kids. It, it's, because yeah. like Cat doesn't go back to Australia because if you were reversing time right. – Rocky, Adam, and Aisha would be gone. Tommy would be gone. You know? And you'd have Jason, Trini, and Zach back. And would they still be... like? You, you know what I'm saying? It'd be a whole mess of things. I think it would have just been better if it was just like... Instead of reversing time, it's like they just turned the, the Rangers to kids again. I mean, that's the th- I guess... Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. Like, it, it doesn't track if you're if you're following what they establish, right, as far as reversing time. But I, So I guess it's like I mean, ultimately they're... I would they're, put Rita back in the dumpster. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially it's like they're just de-aging everyone X number of years, right? Because it's not, you know, again, it's not like everyone in the world becomes kids. So it's like they're, you know, de-aging everyone, what, 10 years or something like that. I mean, it it would have been better if, yes, that had just been established from the start where Master Vile's like this orb will steal 10 years from everyone, you know? And it's like, okay. And so that's ultimately what happens. But yeah, when you, when you think about it in terms of actually reversing time, it, it doesn't hold up, but it, you know, it ends up being surprisingly easy. I thought, you know, for Rito to plant that orb again, it was endlessly frustrating that they didn't call upon the metallic armor. I mean, I know this is what we were building toward. Like it had to happen. <laughs> right. But I don't know. It, it just felt like it was too easy. You, you, and I tried to do a little bit of research of why they did this. And the only thing I could come up with was basically they just needed to try to find a way to burn through this footage, that they had to make a series and, you know, having all this, instead of trying to do something where the Rangers got the, because they used their swords, they used everything. Like, um, the, I can never pronounce it correctly, so I'm not going to try, but the Sentai series that was actually where the White Ranger came from and the Thunder Swords, they never used those costumes. You know, they'd used all this footage, but they never used those co- the, the Ranger costumes. So they had that footage, and then they had the footage of the actual ninjas, so they just used that footage for the Alien Rangers and burned through it for 10 episodes to at least try. And I remember like the Ninja Toys were like little like three, four inch figures. Do you remember those? Kind of. Uh, yeah, they were small. And, um, you know, everything when you look back as a kid, everything seemed like it lasted for longer than what it did. You know, and I just remember 
when they ended the episode and they, they were kids, you think as a child you'd be excited. It's like, oh my God, the Rangers are like me, but they can't morph for some reason. You know, and then, you know, later in Turbo, obviously the Turbo powers will allow a child to morph to become an adult, but the powers they have now won't allow a child to morph. Well, because um, time has been reversed and they didn't have their powers yet. So it's like, it, you know, the time travel logic is at play in certain instances, but not anywhere else. But, it's cute. but, yeah, but yeah, yeah, time's reversed, but Tommy's there who didn't live there. And Rocky, Adam, are you sure? Like I said, like their parents aren't around. They have their memories of what's going on now. So it's not like they forgot the Rangers existed or anything. I just, you know, it's a kid's show. I get that, but you still could have made it a little bit cleaner. Okay. I, no, I don't. I don't disagree. Uh, and also, you know, to your point about you, know, you would think you would be excited when you see the Rangers as kids. You're not. And I like the main reason why I didn't rewatch the Alien Ranger arc for this podcast is I really wasn't interested. I would have in, argued against you. Hmm. I would have argued against you. Like, we don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, we already have more than enough to talk about, but it's also like. I'm really not interested in watching the episodes without our actors, our main actors. I know David Yost is there because Billy ages up pretty early on in the arc. So he's at least there, but it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like I'm not particularly interested in, and I was trying to remember how I felt as a kid. I don't know how much, even as a kid, I don't know how much I really loved this stretch of episodes. And I think it's the sort of thing where as kids watching it, you don't necessarily want to see you're like, you don't like, you want to see the characters a little bit beyond where you are. Right. So when you're watching this as, you know, a, a 10 or 11 year old, like watching the Rangers at 15, 16, 17, it's like, Oh, you could see yourself, you know, it's kind of more aspirational. I suppose you don't necessarily want to see a group of 10 year olds running around uh, for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. I think there's like that psychological effect. You kind of want to see ahead of where you are uh, as opposed to exactly where you are. So that, Arc. I mean, I think to, I think you're right as far as wanting to utilize that footage. And I think this was, you know, they didn't have to pay the actors for you know, for, for 10 episodes or, well, nine because they're in the last one. So that probably helps account for it. You know, this is, this is actually like the farewell episode of Aisha. Yeah. You know, Karen Ashley, like she gets a clip. It's kind of just feels like filler footage, you know, but this is really her last time being on the show as a ranger or even just as a character yeah. um and i i try to remember when that switch happened and um you know we we're talking about just a little bit about like the alien rangers they even changed the theme song to go go alien rangers yeah um the the the, the logo changes and you know i just had some notes just kind of things that pointed out you know with the alien range, like he said, Billy is the adult first. Um, they go on the quest to find the Zeo crystal and to go through things. And the most prominent part of that whole story is the fact that Aisha meets like relatives, you know, and she has, she meets her. I don't even know. Tanya, who she sends back with the crystal. But basically, you know, the episode, the next episode or whatever ends where when they go back to being adults, which is the part that we need to talk about, you know, Tanya ages up with them. So they're all aged up in the command center and all of a sudden this new person. Um, and I'll, I'll get into when we get to the Zia quest, why this annoys me. But 
<laughs> she, it's just like, hey, new person that has not proven themselves or anything. Uh, welcome to the team. <laughs> you know, having just recently seen, you know, the, the cat transfer to Pink Ranger. That's what I was saying about like new people just joining easily. Like Tanya, they're just like, ah, whatever. Come on. Yeah. So, I mean, when we talk about the Alien Ranger arc, and again, uh, I'm, I'm going based on memory, kind of what I read. And, I, you know, I did watch, you know, little clips here and there on YouTube from this. And I, I guess, you know, one of the most major developments is Rito and Goldar destroy the power coins, right? So not only do they need the Zeo crystal to fix time and re-age them, but also for a new power source. Uh, and yeah, we follow them on their Zeo quest, right? So each of the kids goes off to a different time and place to retrieve the shard of the crystal that they had that they had sent out. And uh, while this is happening, of course, the alien rangers of Aquatar have stepped in to protect Earth. So you know that kind of carries us through those those ten episodes. I agree. I mean, the departure of Aisha and the introduction of Tanya it's it's not ideal. Uh, you know, in, in terms of how it plays out, like Aisha decides to stay in Africa and she sends Tanya in her place. And like you said, I mean, Tanya is just instantly accepted. And I guess, you know, Aisha's vouching for her goes a long way. But it's just weird because, I mean, we're, we're just about here anyway. There are only five yeah. shards of the crystal, right? So only five sets of powers. And it's one of these things where it's like, I, I, get they wanted to keep a certain balance uh in terms of the the the, the makeup of the gender on the team but it's like that could have just been billy <laughs> it's like, yeah that's exactly that's what i said i didn't want to say it yet but that was in my notes like that should have been billy and they could have maybe done something where tanya's training and then they start maybe sharing the power and then this kind of neat uh thing but yeah like this person that has no no experience no nobody just my question to you real quick, though, I put this in my notes as we got to here. When did they graduate? Have they graduated yet? No, they graduated at the start of Turbo. See, and that's what I was trying to remember. I was like, you know, because I know that I remember an episode where Billy basically gets to graduate early. Yeah. Thinking like, oh, crap. But I'm like, Tony just shows up at school. Aisha just drops out, you know, and sends a letter to the school. I'm in Africa. Like, that, what? Yeah, Where's I your parents? You know what I'm saying? Come on. <laughs> I watched the the episode right after a Zeo beginning because in the Zeo beginning, we don't even see them get the Zords yet. So I watched the next episode where they get the Zeo Zords, but that one opens with Tommy, Kat, and Tanya at school in the new lounge, the new resource center. Uh, so yeah, they're still in school and all that. And you see her kind of acclimating and there's this baseball player who she's tutoring and kind of has a romantic interest with and he's planning to cheat on a test and she tells him that it's wrong. And that's sort of the, you know, the, the, the lesson of the, of the week in that one. But I just have to say, just as a really quick side note, <laughs> in that episode, they're remarking about how cool the new student lounge is. And Tanya goes, it's great. And it was it's meant to be sincere, but her line reading sounds so sarcastic. <laughs> I it, it's like it's worth like pull it up on YouTube and just watch that that opening scene in the student lounge because the way she's like it's great. It's like it just sounds. I've been like compared to what Tanya you just moved here. I don't even know what the old one looked like. Well, yeah, I mean, there's that. It's a uh, the other thing too that's funny to me is. And I look, they do address this and there, there's a point in a Zeo beginning where, you know, Tanya is, you know, she kind of stays behind to get filled in by, by Alpha about like what's going on and all of that. But it's like, 
how how disorienting it would be to be thrust into this crisis situation. The only thing that allowed me to kind of wrap my head around it a little bit was that unlike when the original Rangers were first summoned to the command center in Day of the Dumpster and they had no conception of Rita, Zordon, anything, now we're at the point in time like the public knows that the Power Rangers exist, that they have these Zords, that there are these monsters. So it's like people have a frame of reference. So, and keeping in mind whatever Aisha told Tanya ahead of time, it's like, all right, I can kind of buy it. But yeah, it was like, there's so much going on. We get a new, we get a new base of operations. We get new Zords, we get new powers. They switch colors. Like we get new adversaries. I mean, there's still a lot we have to unpack here, but it's like, there's so much transition. And it's like, on top of that, we're switching out one of the Rangers. It's, it's, it's a bit much. My question to you was Tanya, an adult that was aged down or was she a child that got aged up? Cause that felt awkward too. Cause I was thinking about that. Like She's a child when Naisha meets her, but not everybody was aged to a child. No, but they were. I mean, I think, I think my, I mean, I don't know, but my understanding of the, of the orb was that, again, I think we're in agreement. It's not literally reversing time, but I think the, maybe the better way to describe it, it's, I feel like it's de-aging everyone, not everyone in the world to children, but like de-aging everyone a certain amount, like so that the rain. So again, I think it's like probably about a 10 year thing. I did not take take it that that. she was a kid who was aged up. Because that, that was my thought was like, what, you know, because like even in the scene when they're in the carnival and the rangers are aging down, like not everyone around them is aging down. So, so like watching it this time, I was kind of like where Tanya falls in, like, because they even say, did Aisha change back, you know, when they got aged up and they look in the viewing globe and yeah. then there's adult Aisha or teenager Aisha. So, so before we... So again, we've talked about Master Vile, we've talked about Rangers in Reverse, we've touched on Alien Rangers, but before we do Zeo Beginning 1 and 2, the Zeo Serial, those shorts. Yeah. Did you get, do you remember those? No. Okay. Did you get a chance to look at at any of them or no? It's okay if not. I I had them pulled up and then I just didn't get to go back to them because I kind of forgot you had sent them and I just got busy with everything else. Okay. So this, this is one of those things where... You know, there's a lot of stuff out there on the internet. Not all of it's great. And sometimes you get frustrated dealing with the internet. But but sometimes it's it's this wonderful thing where it's like it can like these 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 serials, I feel like this was the sort of thing in my mind. I was like, did I imagine these? And thankfully I got confirmation that I didn't. So uh in the in the weeks leading up to the premiere of Power Rangers Zeo, reruns of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, uh had these 30-second shorts at the beginning, this the Zio serial. And there were, I think, about 30 of them total. 30 seconds, real short. And essentially, again, it was teeing up the new series, and the main thrust of it was that King Mondo and the Machine Empire are arriving. And so across these shorts, you're getting a lot of different characters' reactions. So we spend a few of the shorts on the moon with Rita and Zed. We spend a number of them with some scientists who are observing this phenomenon in space. Uh, we spend a number of them with Bulk and Skull. Uh, not with our, our actual rangers, though. But So it's sort of like um, everybody kind of preparing for the arrival of, of King Mondo. And it ends, I won't sing it, but it's like, again, as far as like another earworm, it goes, it's coming, you know, it's, it's, it's sung and you get like a little, one of the Zeo symbols each time. Uh, and mm-hmm. so like, it just kind of kept building and 
I remember seeing for sure at least one of the ones with the scientist walking into the observatory. And I remember, like, I don't think I saw many more of them because, like, I was trying to think about this. I don't know how often I watched the reruns. Like, I watched it religiously when I knew it was a new episode. But I don't know that I was, like, really watching them. And I didn't know, like, as a kid, like, I didn't know, oh, at the beginning of every episode, (laughs) you know, we're getting the serial. So I feel like I just saw, like, one or two of these. And and the scientist wants in particular, like it was very mysterious. Like I didn't know what was going on. And so I always kind of had that in the back of my head. Like, what was that about? And that's what it was. And I, thankfully someone on YouTube had compiled all of them, like all 30 of them. It's, and I even had, uh, like little, you know, it's like, it was pulled from their VHS tapes. And so like you saw little snippets of the commercials uh-huh. before and after, and it just, it just brought you right back. Like a commercial with the fruit roll up factory. And I was like, I was a kid again. I found like on YouTube a whole three hour block pulled from someone's of Fox morning shows. So it's, you know, the shows, the commercials and everything. And I'm like, oh, back in my day, back in my day, Saturday morning. Yeah, it was good stuff. I was reading the wiki about it and, and, and this does track, I guess, that ultimately the shorts were not in continuity because when you watch a Zio beginning, the, the arrival of Mon, like it happens like fast and furious as opposed, oh, yeah. as opposed to this kind of like longer build over the course of the serials. And also, like I said, a whole stretch of them deals with bulk and skull uh, encountering the cogs for the first time. And, uh, you know, they're watching reports on the TV about this, you know, this space invasion and they're trying to like find evidence for Lieutenant Stone. But then like later on in Zio, I guess there's never any re- reference of the fact or mention of the fact that like they've already encountered these things. So I don't know that it's like officially in continuity, but uh, they, they, you know, they were, they were fun to watch um, mostly just to kind of solve this mystery that I, <laughs> that I had as a kid. The only, I'll just say this real quick. The only like problem I had with it was uh, the, like the world's react, like everyone is so, uh, you, you know, kind of invested and curious about what's going on. And, you know, Bulk and Skull are like trying to get evidence and like convince Lieutenant Stone. And it's just like, they see these space monsters every week. Like, I don't understand why. <laughs> I guess yeah. it was just different enough that it caught everyone's attention. But it's it's like, I, I don't know. I don't know that it would be that unusual for them, for this, for this, think- in this universe. I feel like it goes back to like what we said earlier about that when they got to Zio, it was something big. They were making it monumental because I know eventually you might talk about, but when you go from Zio to Turbo, it's very much like, eh. you know, it's, there's adjustments there, but I, if I remember correctly, the movie's supposed to actually take place in continuity. I think. Yes. But, but you know, like I feel like from Mighty Morphin to Zio, like it's a big deal. And then as we go later, it's just kind of like the next thing, you know, so building this this tension of like like I like I said like in my notes I have written over and over about how like how much they try to drive home like King Mondo oh no it's King Mondo like Zed's scared Rita's scared like they're running out of the base Master Vile's afraid of King Mondo and the Machine Empire that's conquered all this space and they're really trying to drive home how scary and powerful this guy is. Um, so I really feel like they're trying to build that up in any and every way possible for us of like the machines are coming. What's that going to look like? What, what are our, what do our heroes do? So 
No, they, they made it an event. I mean, that's the thing. And I, like for anyone who, you know, is, is, is young, a, a younger Power Rangers fan or, or whatnot, or got into the franchise later, again, it's just par for the course that each year you're getting things switched up. I know currently, you know, we're, we're gearing up for season 30 and this is the first time that I think it's like the third season in the row in a row with the same, uh, with the same crew and, and powers and all of that. But you know, that's, that's an outlier. And this new season that premieres in September is supposed to connect um, to once and always. Oh, okay. I don't know how, but like, like I read and I saw like on IMDb that Ming is supposed to appear and somehow, and I'm, I'm curious, like I'm, I'm curious about how it will connect. And, you know, you and I've had a conversation about how, somehow the mighty morphing powers show up in other episodes after supposedly the powers were destroyed. We had to go to Zeo, you know, like we had to, because like, you know, the original powers were destroyed back when we had to go to Ninja and everything. So, you know, I've had that conversation a little bit off, off air. So but for sure, but no, like that's the thing I, you know, I think just like the, the, the changing every year has just become, you know, just, it, it's just, it's part of the, part of the deal. But at the time, like this really felt like an event. Uh, so as we head into a zero beginning, you know, at the end of the alien ranger arc hog day afternoon, uh, of course the, the young rangers are able to retrieve the entire zero crystal. They're able to restore their ages. Uh, again, we now have the arrival of Tanya subbing in for Aisha and Rito and Goldar plant a bomb in the command center. So that's our big cliffhanger, the command center exploding and then we start a Zio beginning uh, with cool voiceover from Tommy as we see some flashbacks and we get the, so if you didn't watch Alien Rangers, you got enough of what happened where you're not lost. And so we have this two-parter that's, I mean, it's a ton of setup for this, this 50 episode season here where the Rangers discover their new base of operations, the, um, oh my goodness, what do they call it? Not the command center, but the uh, power chamber uh, beneath the command center. Uh, they get their new powers. Again, we don't get to the Zords yet. And then, of course, the other half of this is the arrival of King Mondo and the Machine Empire. So King Mondo, Queen Machina, Prince Sprocket, and they run Rita and Zed and company out of town, right? Ultimately yeah. boarding Serpentera to to go live with Master Vile. Which is hilarious because you see them on the moon running out to get to the Zord and hiding and you're talking about the power chamber. You know what I really liked about the power chamber was how there's like the mannequins in the back of like the mighty morphin suits. So it still feels like it's part of the same thing. You know, I feel like doing it this way, like really helped kind of like we've talked about cement. This is just the next part of mighty morphin. Yeah. I thought that was such a great touch, you know, where you, and it's, it's a really, I think it's a really powerful moment when, you know, they're standing there with, with those, with those figures behind them and, uh, you know, really honoring where they've come as they're looking ahead. So again, we have the two pieces here, right? The, the setup with the new powers and the arrival of the new adversaries. I got to say, I've been talking a lot since the beginning of this podcast about how I stopped watching during Zio and how I didn't really know exactly why I couldn't really remember. I, I chalked it up to, it was just getting older. I was losing interest. Uh, less kids in my class were still watching it. So I didn't have as many people to talk about. Maybe I was feeling like, oh, it wasn't cool anymore. But I gotta say, watching this now, I, I can't help but wonder if subconsciously, I don't know that I was even thinking about this, but subconsciously, 
I don't really care for, for, for Mondo, especially compared to Rita and Zed. And so I feel like as a kid, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it, it did lose a step in the villain department. Like what, what's your take on the machine empire? I agree. You know, cause like I said here, I remember when they got to, I stopped watching and I look back, like I kind of, I stopped watching music because I, I didn't like the alien ranger stuff. I didn't like if they were kids and I was like, I don't care. And then when I went back, I didn't realize like how everything had played out. But when I went to go back, like it was Zio and I kind of felt like, Oh, what happened to Pat? Like, you know, I was kind of upset that my, you know, my power rangers were gone. Billy wasn't a ranger. And we'll get into a little bit here in, in a few minutes, but the machine empire came on. He's just like as vile and evil as he's supposed to be. He just felt more goofy, like sprocket. They all just felt very clanky. Um, and I didn't care for him because, you know, by the time that we ended on mighty Morphin, we Zed was an American creation. We had recast uh, Rita with Carla, and we got more Rita in play. So they felt like characters more than just cutaway footage. Yep. But King Mondo, once again, became back to just being cutaway footage. So I felt like a disconnect there. I mean, the Zeo powers were cool. Look, like the suits look cool. But, you know, like, I, I think I like Zeo more now than I did then, but there was such a stark difference of how they look compared to where we left off with Mighty Morphin and even their whole, how they morphed and what they were when they morphed, you know? And I just, I don't know. I think, you know, I was older than you. This is, this is what? 96, 97. Uh, not, not, I think, yeah, I think like 95, 96, I think in that, in that range. Cause 95 was the movie. Yeah. So I would be like 11 or 12. So I'm at that age where I'm in middle school. I still like Power Rangers, but at the same time, like it's like, it's almost like starting over, but yet you're really not. 96, 97. That's when this was. So yeah, 96, I'm 11. Um, so like I said, that's, that's a year after the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, which I was all in for. Like, you know, I, I try to dress like the Rangers and everything. But here, I, I don't know. I just, it, it felt more disconnected, I guess. Because once again, I we had lost Kimberly. Then we had lost Aisha that we had grown to love. Because, you know, as much as Zach, Jason, Trini were a big part, Rocky, Adam, and Aisha were a huge part of Power Rangers. Um, And it was, you know, and Billy wasn't a Ranger. So it, it just, I don't know, it felt... Felt a little off, I guess. And I just, that, like I said, that I was starting to get more involved in school stuff. So, you know, I'd come home and wouldn't always be on the TV or able to because it's just life. Yeah, look, I mean, especially as a kid, you know, the span of a year, it's like, you know, a, a lot can shift. So that that makes sense. And yeah, I mean, I think what I, what I recognize more now as an adult, again, I think this was probably subconsciously what I was what was swimming around for me as a kid. But what I recognize now as an adult is, you know, how much value Rita and Zed brought and how big a part of the show they became. And, and you're right. I mean, once we had this original footage of them and they, they had more storylines and uh, again, one of the, one of the delights of revisiting this as an adult is, is, you know, picking up on more of the humor and the tension between them. And uh, it just, it added so much. And I do, I do really feel, I'll see if my opinion changes as I watch more Zio episodes. I mean, we have two, we have two more podcast episodes on the Zio era. So 
I'll see if I warm up to Mondo and the Machine Empire, but re-meeting them now, because I haven't watched these episodes in 30 years, yeah, I just like it feels like a step down. So it was it was really sad to see uh to see our crew have to depart. And meanwhile, Rito and Goldar are have lost their memories and are uh, working as the housekeepers for Bulk and Skull. So there, there's 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 also that piece of it. So it's like Rito, it's like Bulk and Skull t- squared. You know, like I said, I was like 11, 12, and I think I started seeing like the patterns of just, oh, you get this, new toys, new Zors, new suits, new this. And you're just, I was kind of, I don't want to say disillusioned, but it's like, you're taking away what I cared about. You know, I know for sure that I was, I, like I said, I watched a little Zio here and there, but I know by the time Gold Ranger showed up, I hadn't watched anything. Because I just remember my friend who was still a hardcore watching everything. He was like, he was so pumped when the Gold Ranger thing happened. And I won't say anything about it because I know that's probably one of your future episodes. But then I like, I watched an episode just to see, you know. And it was cool. Um, but I just, I wasn't that like excited and into it as maybe I should have been. I don't know. But I think one of the big things, Billy not getting Zeo powers when they decide like who's going to get the crystal and Zordon's assigning him. And then it felt weird for Tommy to be just a regular ranger. It was almost a step down. Like he was always the sixth ranger, the coolest. He had the shield, the special weapon, the Zord. Now, dude, you're just a ranger. You're you're now Zero Ranger Five, Red. Just a regular ranger. It's true. I mean, that is true. That is true. I mean, it's. I know it's weird because it's like we start with with you know Jason the Red Ranger, like the Red Ranger is the leader, and then of course we have that shift once Tommy becomes the White Ranger, and, and you know we we've talked about that, but I guess it's like, you know, now we're sort of returning to that you know, sort of original core idea of the Red Rangers, the, yeah, the five and the Red Rangers, the leader. So I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, the switching of the colors, you know, I don't know. It's interesting because it, it, it does, you know, it mixes things up. It freshens them up a little bit, I, I suppose. I mean, of course, Cat remains pink. Tanya taking over for Aisha is the yellow Ranger. And then, yeah, we have Tommy as red. Uh, Adam shifts from black to green and Rocky shifts from red to blue, which Again, that that piece of it I'm okay with because it's like uh, it it always felt off with Rocky as the Red Ranger and in that center position in the cockpit of the Zord and all that because like Rocky was never the leader, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, that I was okay with. And I, I to the show's credit, I mean they, they great great cutaway to Billy and Alpha when uh, when they talk about Rocky being the Blue Ranger and you know like you see how how Billy is pained by that. Yeah, I mean. Billy stepping down, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, let me toss it to you first. What, anything else you want to say on, on that front? I just feel like, why and why did David Yost stay? Like, I know, like, we won't go all into it, but, like, he was having issues. Like, he was being harassed. And, I, you know, he, he came on the thing that says, like, the reason why he left the series was he was worried about his mental health. Like, he even thought about what he'd take his own life, and that's horrible. Like, I got to meet David Yost, um, two years ago at uh, motor city con. And I got to tell him, I was like, you know, your character really was a big deal for me as a child. And like, you were always my favorite ranger. And it was, it was cool. Like just to kind of connect with him. And then you, you know, hearing more of the, what he dealt with, why didn't he just take it like this as an opportunity to just walk away and leave? Because it feels like it's once again, a character that you have to try to develop and create storylines for 
and him just working there. I almost, like I said, would have been neat if there was something where him and Tanya are sharing the power or something, because we, we, we all know that originally the yellow Ranger in MMPR was a man, you know? So having, you know, a male yellow Ranger could have been interesting. Um, or, or, you know, or something, I don't know, like, and then of course we won't go there. Gold goes up, right? You know, it wasn't Billy. Um, but I, I don't know. I just feel like it could have been something for him to depart earlier on and just having kind of around, or if something happened and this is where we lost Zordon and there was a whole like arc about Zordon's lost and Billy's actually the leader from the command center and him and Alpha are on their own quest to retrieve Zordon and just spitballing here. So, yeah, it's it's tough. I don't know. Like, it, I I kind of wrestle with this because yes, on the one hand, now we've we've now learned what was going on behind the scenes, the discrimination that David Yost was facing, and that ultimately led him to leave the show in very unceremonious fashion. Right? I, I don't know that I'm, I'm not even planning like dedicated coverage on this, but the whole business where he goes to Aquatar and he's this old man and then he's de-aged and he decides to stay and you just kind of get like this grainy footage that wasn't actually David Yost saying like, I'm staying on Aquatar. Like it's a very, it's a very unfortunate uh, situation the way it all, I mean, that's why, you know, watching Once and Always was just like this beautiful moment and to see him come back, like it's, it's amazing. And so it's so unfortunate that that's, that's what he was forced to deal with. Yeah, I mean, as far as why he didn't leave sooner, I mean, it you know, could be any number of things. It could just be that he needed the job, he needed the work. He, maybe the situation hadn't gotten that bad yet. Maybe he thought it would improve. I mean, any number of things. It's like, again, knowing what was going on behind the scenes and and to whatever extent that discrimination sort of resulted in them not wanting him to be a ranger. You know, it, it, it's hard to kind of put that out of your mind, but like just looking at the story itself, I think there is something interesting about him taking on this different role. I mean, he always was the scientific, you know, the advisor anyway, but like now to see him kind of like more on equal footing with Zordon and Alpha and and kind of having this special role, like there is something kind of cool about that. I mean, I, I have to see as I watch more episodes to kind of see how it plays out because I don't remember kind of all of the beats of uh, of this, but Yeah, I don't I mean, honestly, I don't either. You know, but I, uh, I remember like I said when he graduates early and, you know, he loses, he just has that intro of like David Yost as Billy. He's just kind of like standing by the command center panel, like nodding his head, like, yeah, I'm here. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know. It, it, it's tough to say. It's just like, given his stature, his tenure with the team, it's like, no, he should, you know, he should have been one of the five or he should have been the gold ranger. Again, on the flip side, putting the behind the scenes stuff out of it, just looking at the context of the story. Again, I there is there is something kind of kind of neat about him having this, like he's not just one of the Rangers. Like he he, you know, kind of has has this different capacity now. But I don't know. It's tough. It's it's a you really do feel for the character in this sacrifice that he makes, right? To to step down, to allow Tanya to take the power. Uh, and that look on his face when Billy become or when uh, Rocky becomes the Blue Ranger, like it really, uh, you know, it, it it gets you. I mean, they probably all had the same problem, but the girls about the crisis of having to buy new clothes. It makes me laugh every time, and I know we, you know, we've joked about it a bunch already, but for Tommy especially, <laughs> it's like <laughs> this poor guy had to buy an entire green wardrobe and an entire white wardrobe. 
and now an entire red wardrobe. And I'm just wondering, does Zordon have some sort of like clothing fabricator? Are they providing <laughs> like are they providing any kind of stipend? Is Alpha just dying his clothes? You know, like what's the situation? Like Tommy goes home, he's like, "Oh, mom, like I gotta go shopping. Like I gotta get an entire yeah. new wardrobe." Well, well, the the best line was was it Dino Thunder when he becomes like the Black Dino Thunder Ranger? At the end of the episode, he makes it. Oh, I gotta go shopping. I gotta buy some black. I don't have enough black in my closet or something like that. <laughs> like it's an actual joke about the fact that he's gonna wear that color, you know. Um, so it, you know, it's just one of those things. It's just like I I agree. It kind of freshens them up a little bit, you know. Like, and it was weird seeing Green for the first time as just being one of the generic Rangers. So, you know, Adam is the Green Ranger, and she's like, oh, okay. He's just, green is just now one of the regular colors. Well, that's um, why when uh, when we saw the first teaser for Once and Always, and we saw that the Green Ranger was there, and this was before we knew how they were going to handle the absence of certain actors. I know one of the theories I saw floating around out there was that, you know, it could be Adam as the Green Ranger. And it's like, if there's anyone who would kind of be worthy of being the Mighty Morphin Green Ranger, it would be Adam, given his tenure and the fact that he was a Green Ranger previously. I would have I would have accepted that. But obviously that's not what they did, but I would have accepted that. Yeah, I would have accepted that too. Because I liked Adam. He, you know, I just remember, because like at the time when, it, when Adam joined and stuff, I was getting into playing soccer and like Adam played soccer. So it was just one of those things like, yeah, he wore Sambas. I remember that because like he had the Adidas Sambas. I was like, yeah, that's what soccer players wore. But it was, it was, I just remember watching it like that. Gotcha. I think the, uh, this is a minor nitpick, but when you watch the end of Hog Day Afternoon and then the beginning of Zio, it's a little unclear to me, you know, because it's like at the end of, of Alien Rangers, Goldar and Rito, they're in the command center. They steal the Zeo crystal. Like the bomb goes off. And then somewhere in between, like they, they drop the crystal yeah, and lose their memories. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I just feel like the bomb caused them to lose their memory because we see that not only does the power chamber, you know, activate with the Zeo or whatever, it rebuilds the command center on the outside. Yeah. So that was fascinating. I like the power chamber, so I thought it was cool. And it made me wonder, was the power chamber the same place they built the White Ranger power? You know, because it kind of is like the basement to the command center. And remember how like, they went down and everything yeah. was like in a different part of the command center when they were building the White Ranger. Uh, but I, you know, looking as we have we gone through this, I I like what they did in Zio, And like, we, you know, they have the, <laughs> their powers are based like their their ranger is a number and it's based on how many points are to their shape you know and i always kind of thought you know see your ranger two was funny because it was two circles you know the others you know four for a square three for a triangle and five for a star i made a joke the other day i was like zero ranger eight octagon you know <laughs> <laughs> the purple ranger the octagon i was joking with my kids um just based on sh- shapes, you know. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Like, it's just based on shapes. Yeah. It, it, you know, it is what it is. Like, I, I don't think anything will ever match calling out the dinosaur name. Like, that was very powerful. Even towards the end of Mighty Morphin, where it's just Pink Ranger power. It's like, nah, it just doesn't have the same oomph. Yeah. White Ranger power. Or like, at least with the Ninjetti, they did the cool thing with their fingers. And it was like, Ninjetti. 
yeah. had like electricity shooting off of it. And then they would morph again, you know, they would do like the little power thing with the ninja. But yeah, they really, know, yeah. Zeo was just kind of, I was going to say Zeo's morphers had like the dual wrist morphers, you know, they had to put them together and it was cool. Like, but I would just say that space had the lamest morphing of the original series. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't really go past space in my knowledge, but the space was lame with how they morphed and everything. I mean, that aside, I've heard a lot of good things about that season. I mean, I, like I've been saying, this was the last year, the last season that I watched. Um, and as I'm kind of charting my fan journey on this podcast, just to give people kind of a heads up of where we're going, you know, I, I don't really plan to go that far beyond Zio. I, I am going to delve into Turbo because that's the stretch beyond where I watched previously that I have the most interest in. Not that I'm expecting it to be good, but because it's the final it's the final run of Tommy and Adam and Kat and Tanya. So uh, we, we will delve into some turbo. Uh, again, as much as I've heard good things about space, I don't necessarily have have the interest to, to really dive in per se. I, what's been fascinating is just like going back to these episodes that you know that I watched as a kid and, and looking at them with fresh eyes and, and really coming to for the most part, really appreciate a lot about them. As far as like what charting, I would do like turbo do like the first episode, power transfer episode, and then the last episode. Space, I would do the first episode and then the last episode because that's the big like yeah. that's what I consider like the the cap off because that's when you get the Z wave and everything. So like looking at that, that really is the culmination of all of what Power Rangers was building up to. Yeah, um, and that I have I have seen the end of that and the Z wave. Yeah, because you and I talked about that before. Like that's you know way back before you started the podcast. You and I had just talked about Power Rangers and we're doing something because I we had mentioned it. And I was like, oh, that's so cool! I love Power Rangers. Um, but yeah, past that, the only thing I would ever <laughs> the Forever Red would be fun to talk about because it's just so awkward. In, in in interesting ways so yeah i did watch all of those legacy episodes and we touched on them briefly when we did once and always um i, didn't, yeah, I don't know we did. might have some more coverage at some point i don't we'll, we'll tbd on that but i guess the, i don't know the last thing i would say about zeo beginning is uh i don't know i guess i was surprised at how how much they really like really took took their time to set the table for this this new era because it's like when you think back to day of the dumpster the series premiere it's like Man, one episode, and we've introduced everybody. Oh, yeah. They're rangers. They have their swords. <laughs> Whereas this, it's 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 really kind of like not a ton really happens. I mean, especially on the ranger side. You know, they're outside the destroyed command center. They don't know what to do. It's the typical we got to do something, but what? And then you know they find the crystal, and the ground gives out beyond you know under them, and they're in this sub basement, and then they see this like green portal that's slimy or something when they. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, and they make their way to the chamber, and then we get this whole explanation about King Mondo and about the new powers, and they and it's ultimately just you know their their brief first outing as Zeo Rangers is just that quick cog fight, and that's it. Yeah, and it, 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 they they took their time because I feel like like the Power Rangers the next level in the fight against evil. Like they really talk it up. Like they spend a lot of time like talking up the danger of Mondo, talking up their power, talking up what this is. And the first two episodes really is just kind of this setup. And the episode you watched after, that's really kind of the first start of Power Your Zeo. This is almost like this uh, prologue building to Zeo because 
You said nothing happens. It's all kind of filler and transition. And then the show actually starts. Yeah. But I gotta say, man, it was, it was a lot of fun to, to revisit this stretch and, uh, I don't know, just kind of recontextualize it for myself based on those memories that I had as a kid to actually now watch it and, and see. And, and uh, again, I think they just did a really great job of, of segueing and really making it feel pretty seamless, even though, you know, this, this really, you know, was a new series and, and, and all of that. So I, you know, kudos to them. And, uh, and I appreciate you, you know, coming on to talk about it. Was there anything we didn't get to that you wanted to talk about? No, that's it. All right. right on. Well, on that note, uh, where can people find and follow you and your podcast? Uh, just find me in Krypton Report, anywhere podcasts are. It's a DC-based, Superman-based podcast. Um, of course, that's how Anthony and I first connected. And it, just on social media, anywhere. It's fun. We can talk about anything. I'm very active on Twitter, so you can hit me up there at Krypton Report Pod. Right on. Well, thank you, Tyler. I appreciate you coming along uh, for, for this adventure. And audience, make sure you come back in two weeks for our next all-new episode. We've got a couple of more installments dedicated to this Zio era. Uh, I, I, I can't believe we're already here. I mean, I, it's like uh, it's already feeling pretty bittersweet to have gone through, you know, kind of what I've wanted to cover with Mighty Morphin and, and now to be here. And I'm happy to be here for a little while uh, in this in the Zio season. So I hope people will continue to tune in. And of course, once a Ranger fan, always a Ranger fan. This show is part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network, home to Digging for Kryptonite, another exciting episode in The Adventures of Superman, Summoning the Zords, and My Comic Shop History, available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review today. Sign up at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato for additional content. Thank you all 